Bleeding, Claire and Cobalt, brought to you by at One Wire VOIP. That's One Wire Fiber, our good friend Adam Sessions, big supporter of the podcast all year long here as we've launched this in 2021. Today's episode, I am your host, Trey Fitzgerald, the super producer, Ryan Hale, behind the glass. And Ryan, uh, we had the fortune today to get with Kurt Schmid, RSL technical director, touched a little tiny bit on what he's doing right now amidst a coaching search, amidst the ownership transition, mostly focused on the next transfer window. We talk a little bit about his memories of Kyle Beckerman and uh, a lot of fun really to kind of hear his take on the culture under Pablo, the culture of leadership with Demir, Albert, Aaron, Justin, and um, how this club really controls its destiny going into the final five games of a regular season in which uh, literally there were zero expectations for this group. Yeah, I love I love hearing from the inside what this is, you know, are things are things make are they hitting their expectations or yeah. are things shaping up the way that they saw? I know that like I wouldn't say it's like shifting um, goals, but I think that like evolving goals has been kind of the um, the theme of this year. Yeah. And I think you can hear it when you're talking to Kurt. I think you can feel it when you're like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people that didn't think RSL was capable of some of the things that have happened on the field. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's kind of reflecting in the rest of the, the organization. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I love, I love talking to people that saw Kyle from the outside and, you know, that reputation that like, I think that we all assumed that people thought, you know, nobody, there's always that guy on the team that, you know, a team you hate that you like, yeah. you're like, I don't know why I like them, but it's, it's funny to know that Kyle was basically that for basically every MLS fan, you know, it's like, if you, if you're in a different market than Salt Lake, you're like, I see RSL don't really they're not really on my radar, but Kyle, I see Kyle and what's he, yeah. you know, and so that's, that's kind of interesting that that, that really shows up. I mean, so. he became so symbolic with this club and, you know, Kurt references his time uh, working for Seattle when his, when his dad, Siggy was the, was the coach there. And, you know, they had Ozzy Alonzo, who was a great number six in this league, but Kyle did it for 20 years almost. I mean, yeah. maybe he didn't play as much the first three years of his career in Miami and the first year in Colorado, but the longevity. I mean, Ozzy Alonso has had a very good MLS career, and it was half as long as Kyle's. That's insane to think about. But um, just fun to to get Kurt's thoughts, and and I, I can't wait to check back in with him. And I reference this during the chat. We'll get in with him um, in the off season and talk a little more about the coaching search, the scouting procedures. He touches a lot on on the video work they've had to do during COVID. And uh, as they construct the roster, uh, not only through the winter window, but also looking ahead at next summer's window as well. Without any further ado, let's get to it. Kurt Schmidt, RSL Technical Director, brought to you by One Wire Fire. Hey, gang, I know uh, you've heard us talk about Adam Sessions and, and One Wire, our sponsor here on Bleeding Claret and Cobalt for the last several months. If you need an ISP, an internet service provider, if you're looking for an alternative, maybe you're not a small business owner, but you work for one, tell your boss to check these guys out. You can go find Adam and information about OneWire at onewirefiber.com. 
Uh, get away from the big guys. These guys will take care of you. They have all the expertise and much, much better customer service than anybody else does. Voice, video, text for business, seamless, secure, cost-effective communications. You can modernize your office with one wire, um, add productivity, reduce costs. They provide phone and network features unmatched by anyone. Again, they're Utah born and bred. They love Real Salt Lake. So check them out at onewirefiber.com. Ask for Adam, and I guarantee you will not be disappointed. Okay, everybody, welcome back in. Bleeding Claire and Cobalt. Our guest today, very pleased to be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Kurt Schmid, technical director of Rayal Salt Lake. Kurt, there's a lot of stuff we want to uh, get into today, but let's uh, first and foremost, how are you feeling about kind of where the team is at despite all the turmoil the last year, despite midseason coaching change, which is never anticipated. Um, being in fifth place when I think six months ago, everybody thought we'd be 13 out of 13 in, in the West. Yeah, look, I think this is where you want to be at, at this point in the season where you, you're you fighting for the playoffs and you're in control of, of your own destiny. And so for us uh, to be in a position where you know, if we take care of our business, we can we can be in the playoffs and have a shot at a, a trophy. is uh, is exactly where we want to be. Um, obviously, we've seen under Pablo's uh, nine games since taking over for Freddie uh, a bit of a switch in the tactics. Three in the back, and um, I think when you look at the score lines, <laughs> it's fair to say that maybe there's been a little bit of a love hate relationship, learning on the fly. Probably not a lot of training sessions in a congested schedule to get those tactical nuances down. But coming off, I thought, a very complete performance against Colorado as uh, Andrew Brody comes back in the mix, Aaron Herrera playing uh, as part of the back three, which is a little bit of a surprise maybe to many. Um, but he still was able to get forward and get those services in and, and maybe not abdicate his defensive responsibilities as, as he himself said that uh, was an unconscious tendency when he was on the uh, right wing. Uh, what's your assessment of the three five two so far? Yeah, look, I mean, first, I think I think Aaron has all the characteristics to play that uh, that position in, along the back line in, in a three man back line. He's he's certainly athletic and physical enough to to hang with. Uh, some physical attackers and he, he has the ability to defend in wide spaces and you know if, if need be get isolated on an island and, and be okay um, he's good on the ball and can certainly at times pick his moments and get forward from that spot so you know he's uh, he's not played there a lot obviously just the one game yeah. but he's certainly well suited to it and he did did a great job um, look systems and formations are really about how do you get your best players in, in positions to be successful and maximize their abilities and their qualities. So, you know, whether it's three five two or four two three one or four four two or four three three, it's really just about how do we put our players on the field to to maximize what they can bring to the table. And I think you know what Pablo's been very good at, um, apart from the formation change and, and aside from any of that, has been. Um, the mentality of the group, you know, and for sure it's been uh, certainly a together group that is fighting and battling for each other, which is great to see, but they're also very uh, positive in how they're playing in terms of playing very aggressively, pressing high up the field, attacking uh, with uh, 
don't know what the right word is, uh, you know, with, with, with joy, maybe, yeah. um, where a plum, uh, <laughs> certain, like they, it, there's a, there's an eagerness to get forward, yeah. you know, with and without the ball, uh, when we're in the attack. And, you know, I think that's something that, to be honest, I think is a mentality shift that we would see, uh, or a, a mentality that we would see with Pablo, whether it was three, five, two, four, two, three, one, whatever the yeah. system, you know, that's not, that doesn't affect the player's mentality. It's, it's, I think what, uh, what Pablo's brought to the group that has brought them, uh, into that frame of mind. So, you know, the systems and stuff, I, I set that aside sometimes and look, it's yeah. just, people can disagree and it's just ways to, to get your guys on the field, but the mentality and the verve and the energy they're playing with. Um, I think that's been one of the, one of the biggest contributions he's brought. Does, um, Demir Krylock ever cease to amaze you? <laughs> he does not No, He's, uh, but he's very unassuming. Yeah. So I guess in a way he's kind of always amazing you because, um, I don't know that, you know, when he, when he comes on the field at the beginning of the game, you're going to, you, you expect those performances. But I mean, at this point probably we, we do, but I think he's, he's just got a knack for, uh, getting on the end of things and his timing about when to get in the box is, is phenomenal. And honestly, like Sometimes you, that's something you can't really teach guys, right? They just have a feel for where to be and when, and that's where the ball is, and they score the goal. And he's been great at that. Um, I talked about this, uh, or I heard Pablo actually talk about this a couple of weeks ago when we announced the Kyle Beckerman uh, night at Rio Tinto, and we'll get into that in a minute. But is Demir's kind of attitude and effect on the locker room um, – Pablo was drawing some some similar, I guess, threads between not only his personal game when he was a player and Kyle, and they played together in in Miami and and obviously Colorado as well. But um, Pablo's point was that Demir does a lot of the things that they both did as players. Obviously, maybe with a, a little bigger smile on his face than those two had when they were playing. But how would you, I guess, describe? Demir's maybe somewhat quiet leadership and lead by example in terms of how he's galvanized the, this group. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Look, I mean, everyone probably says it, but, but it's true. Like he's one of the nicest people yeah. that I've encountered in, in the game and uh, in a locker room. And I think that um, that quality that he has certainly draws people to him. You know, he's, he's just a leader, right? Uh, he, he does all the, the hard things, you know, and he does them with a smile. He does them without complaining. He works hard. He does extra work. He, you know, covers ground in the game. He leads by example. He does all the things that you'd want your star player to do or your star players to do. Um, and, and you know what, I mean, guys, you know, wouldn't want to disappoint him. I wouldn't want to disappoint yeah. him. Right. And, you know, again, he's, he's so nice that, you know, he might not light into you <laughs> right. and, and choose some, uh, some choice words to scream at you during a game. But if he, you know, if he tells you he needs a little more, or if he tells you to do something here or something there, like you're going to do it because he's the kind of guy that you want to go to battle with. How would you quantify, I guess, but that may not be the right word, but you know, Albert is wearing the captain's armband, a little bit of a slow start to the season, just got back from Slovakia uh, for the most recent pair of games where I think he came on as a sub in both of those, but he was flying around the field against Colorado and he's a little more of that lead by example leader, that raw, I'm sorry, the raw, raw leader that Demir is not. And, uh, 
I think Albert's really come into his own over the last, you know, probably four months of the season. Was he have, I think, seven goals, 11 assists, something like that. So um, how would you kind of look at his effect on the team this year as we go into kind of this playoff chase? Yeah, look, I think every successful team that that I've been a part of has had multiple leaders and obviously mm-hmm. only one guy wears the the armband. So, you know, look, you can certainly you sh- certainly should look to that guy as a leader and to be a leader, but every successful team needs multiple leaders and, you know, I think I think we have a little bit of that here and look, Albert's been been great down the stretch. Yeah. Um I think getting him central where maybe he's a little more comfortable has certainly helped and maybe he feels a little more at home in that part sure. of the field and certainly in the past for 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 this club he's he's had success from that spot in terms of his production goals and assists and everything and you know I think he's had the same impact down the stretch here so um, his impact has been has been great and he's you know he's one of our our top players and you know if you in MLS if you're going to succeed if you're going to make the playoffs if you're going to make a run towards towards a trophy you've got to have those guys playing well so I'm I'm glad he is and I hope it continues. Does this team remind you of, of any of the other teams that, that you've been around in your um, illustrious MLS career? Because, you know, Demir's got 14 goals, but Julio's got eight. Rubin's got eight. Albert's right behind them. I think he only has five. I just misspoke a minute ago. Um, but you're you're getting contributions from all over, whether it's leadership or whether it's stats and everything in between. I think Aaron and Justin have done a great job of, of even though we still think of them sort of as young professionals, but they've been in this club forever. And um, and they're right there with Albert and Dami in terms of, I think, the the leadership quotient. So it seems like a lot of things are being done by committee. Yeah. Look, I think every team I've been with has been a, a bit a bit different. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that I'd, I'd map this group onto any, sure. any of those other groups, but um, for sure the – the willingness to to work for each other, to work for the team, is there, which is something you need to have success in this league. Um, as you mentioned, the the uh, scoring by committee, but having having multiple guys um, get up there in goals and assists is obviously uh, a big a big uh, key point as well. So you know, I think yeah, they're they're all a bit different, but I think you need those things to come together uh, at the right time to to do well here. Um, how – this is going to sound like a simple question, but I think we may have even talked about this on your, your first appearance on the pod a few months ago, but um, this team has three road games left out of the final five. Um, we don't know if the final decision day game against Kansas City is going to mean anything in terms of seeding. Um, but certainly the next couple of road games at Chicago and at Dallas, both teams that are well below us in the standings, it's still hard to win on the road in this league. And uh, the teams that are able to even attain essentially a 500 record on the road are generally um, amongst the top four supporter shield contenders each year. So everybody's up for defending, you know, home field and that's the 25 year history in this league. But um, what do you think the key is in terms of, I guess, mentality of going into these road games for this group? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess the first thing I might say as you were talking is just in this league over 34 games, like parody, parody will get you. And, you know, for sure it shakes out where you've got the top teams at the top and, and teams at the bottom, but you know, 
on on the day uh, there are no easy games, you know, especially on the road in this league, uh, given the travel and some of the climate differences at different points in the year. Um, there there certainly are no easy games. So when I look at that, and it, to me, <clears throat> it doesn't matter when we go on the road or at home against you know this team or that team, wherever they are in the standings, like you know, it's it's going to be a tough game, and you know, there's there's no weeks off where guys can play at. 50% or 70% or 80% and still and still get this result. So it's important, you know, especially as we're, we're in the home stretch here, that, that guys come to play every every game, every week, every game, um, and treat it as as important as it as it really is to us. As far as road games, I mean, look, it's uh, I don't know that there's any magical formula to, yeah. to win or succeed or get points on the road. Um, some teams will go in and play super defensively and hope to squeak out a draw and maybe grab a goal on the counter you know i don't think that's in this group i don't think that's in pablo to to be uh reactive in that way i think he's one he wants to go out and he wants to play and we want to go out and we want to attack teams and you can certainly do that and i think where we need to short things up is you know as we attack it's it's being prepared for the transition moments and you know i think that's something that pablo is certainly working on and been you know been working on with the group and has identified and you know hopefully we can tighten that up and uh that'll help us have a little more success. I think the important thing for us this year and you know when you're part of a team like this it's it's a great feeling but you know we've we've been consistently scoring goals and you know especially lately and I think when you're on a team that can score mm. whether it's you know even just one goal a game and you can start the game and and go, drive to the stadium that day and you know hey we're going to score today it's not can we score? It's who's going to get the goal. Like you're going to get one, right? You know, can we get one? Can we get two? You know, can we keep a clean sheet? Like those are the important questions, but the amount of confidence, I think it fills the guys knowing that we have a lot of options in the attack, whether at home or on the road, and we can get a goal. Um, we just need to make sure that we, in the right moments, we play tight enough that we can keep the other team off the, off the scoreboard as well. Um, going a little bit uh, bigger picture, it's you know the season's winding down. Obviously, we're all focused on the playoff chase. Um, we heard an update from Elliot last week, a little bit on the coaching search. That's going to be a topic of conversation. But um, in your role as technical director, kind of what what are you looking at? I imagine you're looking at the the transfer window. You're looking at some college scouting opportunities for you and your staff. Um, there's certainly going to be uh, things happening in the USL that that might make for interesting fodder for you know training camp invitees <clears throat> next year, et cetera, et cetera. What are what are all the things that are going into uh, your job right now as technical director? Yeah, we're always looking at at needs, and you know every time. You know, we sign a player, we fill a need, we, we adapt our list and what we're looking for and the profiles that we need. And, you know, we're building short lists, long lists. We're making sure that we're evaluating guys on video. So, you know, with COVID, it's been a lot more video and a lot mm. less travel. And we're starting to transition back into more travel now. Uh, Luke's actually out at the moment and he gets back soon. Um, you know, I'll be out uh, traveling over the next few weeks as well. Some of it, yeah, we need to keep an eye on, on the college and the draft stuff because there are pieces in the draft every year. There's not a lot of pieces, but there yeah. are pieces. And, you know, if you can find a guy that's cap friendly in college that can help you, that's a big boost to how you can build a roster in MLS. Um, certainly we're looking abroad as well. We have some, you know, needs that we've identified for the team going forward, regardless of, of I think who the coach is. I think the needs are going to be relatively the same. Um, and 
you know, and obviously we've had conversations with numerous candidates as well. So, um, that's something that we're keeping an eye on as well as we move forward and as we're traveling, you know, whether it's in South America or in Europe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, look, that's what I'm doing. I'm certainly pitching in on the coaching stuff as yeah. well and, and working with uh, Elliot and Rob and Tony and, you know, we're working hard on, on that front. But yeah, I mean, the scouting honestly never, never, never stops. Ends. Is it, is it, um, do you have to remind yourself what, I guess, not to get focused on the next window and maybe you're looking at a couple windows and then by the same token, you're, you're trying not to look so far ahead that, you know, the sand shift underneath your feet while you're, uh, maybe if you're not focused, I guess. Yeah. I think you, you all, you always have to look at both, you yeah. know, and <clears throat> the, the next window is, is the one everyone's focused on outside of the club, you know, right. agents and sure. players that are coming free or that are available. They're looking at the next window and that's when you have the clearest picture of, of all, all the factors. So, you know, availability, finances, players desire to come, like all those things come into more focus in the, in the near term window, the long term stuff, you know, it's, we look at, you know, Hey, can we, is there a guy we can bring in now? that maybe isn't a starter today, but could be in six or mm. 12 months. Or, you know, we, maybe we go watch a U-20 tournament. You know, this happened with the, the 2019 South American Under-20 tournament, you know, where there were a lot of talented players there. Some of them were in the league right away, like a Brian Rodriguez. Yeah. Some of them, you know, have taken a lot of time. Yesterday, uh, a kid named... Um, Alcivar went to Charlotte. Charlotte yeah. just signed him. You know, he's another kid who was, I believe he was from that, either that U-20s or, or the Olympic qualifying that mm -hmm. was soon after that. So, you know, we'll always go to these youth tournaments as well, which is like, well, who can we sign now? But now who can we keep an eye on over the next six to 18 months and could be a candidate down the road? I think a lot of players from that 2019 U-20s uh, in, in South America have come to the league uh, over the past uh, two years. So, you know, we're, we're doing, I don't know, we're doing both all the time. It's, yeah. a, it's a lot. <laughs> um, switching gears, obviously, uh, November 3rd coming up, Kyle Beckerman night. What, when I say the name Kyle Beckerman to you, what, is, what does that mean? What, what uh, highlights or moments or, or memories come flowing through your, through your brain? So candidly, uh, probably two things come to mind, and and I don't know, I don't know my stats checked, but I believe he still is. The first thing is that I believe he's still the the all time leader in fouls committed in MLS. That's correct. Fouls, yellow cards, fouls, minutes, yellow, okay. starts, so, games. So, so that pops into my head, <laughs> you know, because because what was funny is he was he was always fouling, but he rarely got sent off. Yeah. And so that that always popped into my head, like he was smart about it, you know, like yeah. he he could get you or he could you know maybe trip you up here or do something there, but like it was never never egregious or reckless or bad, you know, or really dirty. It was just like, yeah, this is going to disrupt the rhythm or this is going to stop the attack or just little ways to make it happen without being obvious, I guess. So, yep. you know, so that, that's one thing. And then the second thing is more specific maybe, but I just remember, cause I was at the, the 2009 game when mm. obviously RSL won, but um, it was the first game that I saw live of him that I remember thinking like, you know, this guy's pretty good <laughs> so yeah keep keep an eye on him going forward but uh um yeah i mean those are probably the first two things that pop into my head yeah it's funny because you know when we used to trumpet him becoming the all-time leader in game starts minutes all those things the kansas city fans would always chime in and be like yeah but he's got the most yellow cards but mm. he's a he's a six for the most of his career right and i think he only averaged six fouls per yellow card. So at that position, that 
I feel like that's a pretty judicious uh, play, right? Yeah, and I'm sure he doesn't care at all. No, not at all. <laughs> he, for him, I'm it was sure none of that matters to him at all. As far as like, oh yeah, so he has the most yellow cards. Like, I think honestly, I I don't know if he sees it as a badge of honor, but like, I just look at it and it, uh, I I have admiration for the uh, the cleverness of it. Yeah. Uh, a slight aside, uh, Real Monarchs coach Hamas and Olave does have the all-time lead in red cards. Does in he really? Yeah. In MLS? So, in MLS, yeah. That's news to me. That's <laughs> great. I'll talk um, about that later. So, you know, for a guy like Kyle, who, you know, he was one of the first kind of teenagers to come in this league in Miami, didn't play much in Miami. They got dissolved. He ends up in Colorado. I think he was hurt, actually, when they went to Colorado. And then he ends up... Um, I think I'll say this politely. I, he and Fernando Clavijo just didn't see eye to mm-hmm. eye. And and RSL trading Medi Bellucci for Kyle Beckerman, that's probably the most lopsided trade in MLS history, right? Yeah. What year was that? 2007. Yeah. I mean, I remember the trade, and I certainly, like, I, again, remember – playing against him and very aware of him. And, you know, when we were in, I, to be clear, I'm, I didn't play. I wasn't very good, but um, you know, with Seattle and and when we had those games against him, but when I would watch those games, oftentimes I'm like super focused on your own team and you don't focus on the other team as much. And then I just remember in, in 2009, just, going to that game as a neutral obviously and like watch just watching as a fan and uh and just yeah just really appreciating his game and what he what he brings to to his team so um i will finish it here so obviously you know this club is in a little bit of transition with the ownership and and a coaching situation but you know celebrating Kyle is celebrating the history of this club the this club has won more games than any other team uh, since we moved into Rio Tinto Stadium so certainly November 3rd will be a a fun night to to kind of look back but um, and I may have asked asked you this before uh, last time you you were on our on our pod but just um How's your first six months with this organization been in, in terms of um, kind of trying to maybe recapture past glory, but you weren't here, so you're just focused on on doing your thing to try to, to uh, build not just a successful first team group, but a successful pyramid across the board? Honestly, it's, I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. And, you know, it's it's a great atmosphere in the front office and, you know, in terms of the the people that we work with here. And, you know, I think it's it's enjoyable to come to work and everyone works hard. And, you know, I think we're very aligned in our goals for, for the club and, and the philosophy that we think the club should pursue. Um, and so it's very refreshing to have that alignment and to be working towards uh, a common goal, the same goal, and and everyone kind of know what we're striving for. And, you know, we've been able to sign some, some really talented young players yeah. into the professional ranks, either with Monarchs or with the MLS team. So, you know, we've got an eye on that development pathway. We've uh, brought in, you know, John Spencer to help focus on the, the academy recruiting to continue to stock the pipeline with mm-hmm. young talent so that we can have sort of a, as much of a continual flow coming out of uh, the academy as possible into Monarchs and then 
then into the first team. Um, you know, we've grown, you know, we've grown a little bit of the scouting staff with obviously Luke's here, but yeah. also some, uh, some, some other scouts that are watching a lot of video for us and some, uh, stipended people that are across, you know, across the country, across the globe that can help us identify more talented players. So that's been, that's been huge for me and my side of things. But, you know, again, I think, uh, you know, I came here because, you know, honestly, because of some of the, the history of the club and what the club has been and could be in the future. And, you know, the facilities and the infrastructure that's here is phenomenal. And I think the more people that see that, the more people realize that, the better it is for us. And, you know, the easier it is to do our jobs, honestly, in yeah. terms of at least my, my job in terms of player recruitment and, and signing new players and that sort of thing. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I answered it, but it's been very good. I've no, it's good it. to hear. I'm, I mean, we all feel a little sorry for you. They have to deal with Elliot every day, <laughs> and then now the new PR guy brings his crazy dog in, and he's not aligned yet with yeah. the overall vision. But hopefully soon. I'm much bigger than the dog, so it's okay. <laughs> but uh, Elliot, yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's got his quirks, but uh, but you know, as long as you can navigate him, and you know, there's a few hours when he's not here that you can get some peace. So. <laughs> Well, uh, thanks for your time today. Can't wait to catch up with you during the off season and talk a little more about Academy, the new MLS uh, D2, D3 league, whatever it's going to be, the lower developmental league. Um, I think that branding is going to be coming out here pretty soon. So uh, great stuff, Kurt. Always appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Thanks. All right, that was awesome. Uh, thank you all for listening, downloading, rating, reviewing. Please share with your friends as uh, everybody around the club gets to know Kurt Schmidt, RSL Technical Director. Get ready for more bleeding Claret and Cobalt content. Sorry again for the hiatus, but uh, we're back up and running. We'll have a lot more throughout the playoff chase, throughout the honoring of Kyle Beckerman. And the 2021 slash 2022 off season. So keep it here. Again, rate, review, share, and provide your comments. We always want to hear from you via social on Twitter at Claret Cobalt, Instagram at Claret Cobalt, or you can leave a comment at anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. And um, again, we, we believe this is very interactive. Uh, for me, Trey Fitzgerald, for Ryan Hale, the man, the myth, the legend, the super producer, the man behind the glass, the man who makes it all happen, we thank you for bringing us into your pod universe. Mm-hmm.